Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to The Kickoff, brought to you by TickPick. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me is my producer and pickle aficionado, Brendan Tuma. You guys know the deal with Mondays. I'm going to run through the injury news really quickly and then get to my five biggest takeaways from a busy NFL Sunday. But first, have you entered our latest giveaway for a Debo Samuel signed jersey? All you got to do is leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or CastBox, and then go to fantasypros.com slash kickoff, subscription to our YouTube channel, gets you three times the entries. And again, leaving a review for the show is just an easy way to show your support, even if you don't enter for the contest. Also, let me tell you about TickPick and the season ticket packages they're giving away to your favorite team worth $3,000. You guys know about this. Of course, they're going to do another drawing in about two weeks for the November drawing. So again, it costs you nothing to enter. TickPick is the original no-fee ticket site, and they've now teamed up with Zip, the buy now, pay later service provider. They're giving away the season ticket packages every month from now until February. They're doing a drawing, one lucky winner for ticket packages next year to the team of your choice. Again, each package valued at $3,000. Go to TickPick.com slash pros. That's it. T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com slash pros. All right, let's get to the big news from yesterday. Aaron Jones sprained his MCL. We don't know quite the extent or the grade of the sprain or anything like that. So we don't know exactly how much time he is going to miss. But chances are he is going to miss a few weeks here. And again, the Packers now have a bye in week 13. It's going to be really surprising, just given where they are in the standings, if we see him before then. So that obviously boosts A.J. Dillon into immediate RB1 status over here. And of course, it's a huge blow to Jones' fantasy managers. But let's wait and see just how bad it is. But chances are you're not going to see him until after his bye, just again, given where the Packers are in the standings. Baker Mayfield left the Browns-Patriots game with a knee injury. Again, this game was entirely out of hand by the time he left, so it's unclear how serious it was, but he was hobbling around a little bit. We'll have to see whether or not it's going to be Case Keenum, which, again, at this point, I don't know if that's a downgrade or not, but obviously monitor the situation. Dallas Goddard left the Eagles-Broncos game with a concussion. This was too bad. He got two targets early, caught both of them for 28 yards. He's obviously a huge part of that offense, so... Not much we can do about this at this point, so let's just wait and see, but hopefully he can make it back in time for next week against the Saints. Colt McCoy left the Cardinals-Panthers game with a chest injury. Chris Stevler came in, and again, we don't know exactly when Kyler Murray is going to be back. They keep waiting, but it doesn't really sound like he was that close to returning here. And the big thing for them is they have a bye in Week 12, so are you really going to rush Murray back here, or are you going to give it another week? We'll have to wait and see. Again, the only guy who is really producing at this point, given the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is at, is, of course, James Conner. But in the passing game, it's Christian Kirk, who's kind of become a reliable hunter run for light, for lack of a better way to explain it. So you can continue to start him, regardless of who is under center. Ricky Seals-Jones left the Washington-Tampa Bay game with a hip injury. Hopefully, this isn't serious, but also hopefully Logan Thomas can return soon, because that's who we're really waiting to see. John Bates uh, factored in here with Adam and would continue to do so if he needs to miss time. Alec Ingold likely suffered a torn ACL on Sunday Night Football. Again, I'm recording this still at the very end of the game, so hopefully there are no injuries in the last couple of minutes here, but uh, that's a big blow to the Raiders. And Anthony Schwartz suffered a concussion. Uh, that's something that is going to lead to Richard Higgins probably able to, you know, get more run at least in three wide receiver sets, but he's not somebody who you want to pick up for fantasy purposes. TJ Watt suffered a hip injury. I'm not sure how serious this was. He was on the sidelines throughout, so hopefully he'll be able to make it back next week. 
And the initial fear for Chase Young is that he tore his ACL. He was on the sidelines, uh, on crutches. Chances are we've seen the last of him this year, which is really unfortunate because obviously he is one of the premier defensive players in the game today. All right, let's get to my five biggest takeaways. Number one, you should be really encouraged by Antonio Gibson. Now, I, like most fantasy managers, have been really concerned about Gibson. I mean, a stress fracture in your shin, that's seemingly something that needs a lengthy period of time for recovery. At least that's what a lot of injury experts say, Dr. David Chow included. So it makes sense. There's not a one or two week recovery type of thing. I mean, this is something where you probably need months of rest for it to get to close to 100%. And now here he was going up against the Bucks defense that is generally tough against uh, running backs and doesn't give up a ton of rushing yards. And Gibson rushes 24 times for 64 yards and two touchdowns, two catches for 14 yards. That's a great fantasy game, obviously, from a yards per touch standpoint. It's not good at all, but that's not how fantasy is played. So what is important is the fact that he got 26 touches out of the bye the week before 11 touches, 16 before that, 12 before that. He was purposely being limited, and they were siphoning off some snaps to J.D. McKissick or even Jared Patterson. So the fact that Washington leaned into him out of the bye seems pretty telling that they're confident in his ability to handle the workload. Now, this was a weird game, right? I mean, Washington isn't usually in a positive game script, and the fact that they were here against the Bucks was obviously unexpected, but still... It's about what this says about Gibson's health and potential for a bigger workload, and it says a lot. So now it's Carolina, Seattle, Las Vegas, Dallas, Philadelphia. They're probably not going to get totally blown out of the water in, in the majority of those games, right? So that should mean more work for Gibson going forward and just very solid RB2 status. Second, whoever the starting running back is for the Patriots is going to be a star. I did not rank Ramondre Stevenson particularly high in this week's game because I just didn't know what we could expect in terms of workload. He was coming off the concussion. He wasn't even officially cleared until yesterday. The team had been preparing around Brandon Bolden and J.J. Taylor, and it was a tough matchup against Cleveland, but none of that mattered. Stevenson was a superstar, 20 carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns, and this is what the Patriots want to do. They want to lean into their running game, rely on their defense, have Mac Jones pick and choose his spots. And when they get close to the red zone, their running backs are going to get the touchdown. Stevenson two here, Damian Harris at least one in each of the Patriots' previous five games. The Patriots are currently really healthy on the offensive line, all right? When they are, they're a borderline elite unit, particularly when it comes to run blocking. Their backups are not great, but again, so long as they're healthy, they're a great run blocking unit. Whether Harris is back, whether it's just Stevenson, regardless of the opponent, the starting running back for the Patriots should be started as a borderline RB1 for the rest of the season, whoever it is. Now, the one thing we want to keep in mind is what is the split going to be here? Has Stevenson earned a larger role? But even if he has, both guys are going to be able to be started on a weekly basis. Number three, Devontae Smith is ready to take the leap. Six targets, four catches, 66 yards, and two touchdowns against the Broncos, and that comes on the heels of a game against the Chargers where he had five catches on six targets for 116 yards and a touchdown. So go watch an Eagles game, all right? If you've just been able to read the box scores, you haven't been able to see a game, do yourself a favor, go watch one of their last two games. And then remember when you marvel at Smith's route running that he is a rookie and dream of the wonders that are going to be his future fantasy production for years to come. But also realize that There's a lot of fantasy production to come now. This is not fluky. The Eagles' newfound offensive philosophy, which is built much more about 
running the ball and then getting Jalen Hurts out in the space is, is just perfect. And there's somewhat of a cap here. All right, Smith's target share is great, but target share only goes so far when your quarterback is attempting like 18 passes per game. But the effectiveness of those targets is magnified by the fact that opposing defenses are just so keyed in right now on stopping the run. It's not the easy schedule going forward. Okay, the Saints are good against the pass. The Giants have some tough corners, but Smith has largely been viewed as sort of a hit or miss wide receiver three. I think it's time we think of him as a reliable wide receiver two now going forward. Number four, it's time to be really, really worried about Cortland Sutton. Sutton saw three targets, catching two of them for 29 yards against the Eagles. That's now nine targets, five catches, and 78 yards total combined in his last three games. What do those three games have in common? The presence of Jerry Judy. And if we take all four of Judy's games, Sutton has 12 targets, six catches, and 92 yards. Meanwhile, in those same four games, Judy has 28 targets, 22 catches, and 228 yards. That's not an accident. Sutton is enormously talented. Truly, don't forget the type of numbers he put up prior to his injury. But with Judy back, he's just not a priority in this offense. It's a low-volume pass attack overall, and players who command targets include Judy, Noah Fant, Sutton, Tim Patrick, now Albert O, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. Sutton looks like the odd man out, perhaps because he draws the top opposing cornerback and Teddy Bridgewater prefers to stay away. But for whatever reason, Sutton has not been involved with Judy on the field, and it doesn't look like that is changing anytime soon. He's a borderline wide receiver three at absolute best. Finally, you cannot trust anyone on the Bills other than Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Emmanuel Sanders caught both of his targets for 27 yards against the Jets. He's yet to top 94 yards receiving or top five catches in the game. Cole Beasley caught both of his targets for 15 yards. That's the third time in his last six games that he's had exactly two targets. Dawson Knox caught his lone target in the game. He's seen more than four targets twice this whole year. All three running backs had a touchdown today. Matt Breida had two. None of them had more than seven carries. There are going to be days where Bills players other than Allen and Diggs are productive, of course, but for the most part, you're not going to know when they are, especially with so much competition for touches. They're all only borderline starts most weeks at this point going forward. And that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget to go to TickPick.com slash pros where TickPick and Zip have teamed up to give away five-season ticket NFL packages for the 2022 season. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash pros. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning.